episode 29 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe D'Aluizio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. It's the end of the week. The Packers are still playing football, so of course it is a preview edition of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. And before we dive into it, some exciting podcast news, maybe a Late news, but better late than never, as I say. Uh, We finally made it happen. All of my listeners are fully aware that you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, great podcast platforms. They've been great to me. I am pleased, though, to officially announce the podcast has a new home, a new way to listen I know I promised it earlier in the podcast, and then I I, I just stopped saying it because I, I was just so frustrated with the with the behind-the-scenes shenanigans that was going on, but we are officially available on iTunes. And if you ask me what changed from now, from episode 29 to episode 1, I am not sure. I don't know. Maybe they hired someone new who decided to listen to the podcast preview the episodes and was like, you know what? I'm a Packer fan. Absolutely. Let's put them on iTunes for sure. I don't know what happened, but the bottom line is we got there just like the Packers, right? The Packers have been ugly. They've, they've struggled at times. They've been great at times, but winning ugly has been their identity. Somehow they got there. Somehow they got, they are one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. So, if you needed a uh, another way to, to listen to the podcast, you got one. So, now we are available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, iTunes. Finally, I feel so accomplished, so relieved that I could get that off my chest because, again, I've been trying so hard earlier in the, uh, in the beginning phases of the whole podcast. I had so many difficulties that I kind of gave up, and I said, you know what, let me just try. Let me just try and see what happens. And it happened. All right, a little later in the podcast, because I know you didn't tune in just to hear me talk about how we're on iTunes. No, that's not the reason why you're here. The reason why you're here is to get a good preview of Sunday's matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. A rematch of Week 12, which was absolutely abysmal. And we'll talk a little bit about that matchup and what I saw and what I noticed and how things could have played out differently despite that that lopsided victory for the San Francisco 49ers. I'll give you my key to victories for this matchup because even though Vegas and everybody else, the entire national media is counting the Green Bay Packers out, it is a brand new season, folks. And on any given Sunday, anybody could win. Now, I'm not saying Green Bay is going to win. I didn't say that. You got to respect what San Francisco has done. But there's always hope. A little later in the podcast, also, I'll preview the big game with Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler, weekday morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central, on 105.7 The Fan, out in Milwaukee. Do the Packers have any sort of edge? What's the key to victory? All those questions will be answered by Bart, so stick with us for that interview in just a little bit. Let's, though, start with how we start every single preview episode with some dope facts from Packers.com. They do a great job creating their dope sheet for every single opponent every single week. So check them out at Packers.com. Number one, this is only the second time the two teams have faced off against each other in the NFC Championship game with the Packers winning 23-10 at the 49ers in the 97 season. Unfortunately, the Packers came up short in the Super Bowl, falling, of course, to the Broncos that season 31 20 Four. Number two, the Packers and the 49ers have met seven times in the postseason, all since the 95 season, and Green Bay holds a 4-3 advantage in the playoff series. This eighth meeting will tie for the most playoff games the Packers have played against one team, Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Of course, now the last time these two teams met in the postseason was in 2013, where the 49ers beat the Packers 23-20, to Pretty certain that was a Colin Kaepernick run all over you kind of a game, even though it was a close one. And finally, 
Two of the last four postseason meetings between Green Bay and San Francisco have been decided by three points. And this is what sticks out to me. Because I anticipate that this game is decided by, honestly, anywhere between three and five points. I think this is a much closer game than most people are predicting, whether it be national media. I mentioned Vegas, who has the the 49ers as nearly eight-point favorites. And it does make sense somewhat, right? They're the number one seed. They completely demolished Green Bay in Week 12. But seven and a half, eight points... That is a lot. This is this is a brand new season. You throw all those numbers from the regular season, throw them out the window. And if I'm the Packers, and I see this, which they are. I mean, you can't avoid it. Whether you turn on NFL Network, turn on uh, local radio, national radio, no one is giving the Packers a chance And that is just blatant disrespect. No one is giving this team a chance. And I don't think that's fair. This is a Green Bay football team that has flown under the radar all season long. And the fact that everyone continues to doubt them. And everyone, or or seemingly everyone for... For what it's worth. Is picking against them. That makes me feel. Like the 49ers have. All the pressure on them. All the pressure is on San Francisco right now. You're the number one seed. You crushed this team. At home already. Didn't even give them a chance. It was so lopsided. That people were ready to just. Tell the Packers to end the regular season after week 12. That's how bad they beat them. People wanted to give the San Francisco 49ers the Lombardi Trophy or at least say, hey, you you should represent the NFC right after week 12. Green Bay is marching into this game with nothing to lose. Now, granted, yes, you lose this game, you go home, I understand that. But in terms of pressure... Being this heavy of a underdog and embracing that underdog role, I think it's great for Green Bay. And I think they've done it all season. When the playoffs started, all you heard was, oh, Green Bay Packers, 13-3, and the most overrated 13-win team. Well, let me tell you something. If there's one thing the Packers figured out how to do this season, it's win. Again, it doesn't have to be pretty. You're not going to take away a win because, you know, the opposing quarterback fumbled, your team picked it up, and ended up scoring a touchdown. Or you're down by X amount of points and you come back. Or you nearly sneak by a team that's picking in the top five of the draft. Who cares? A win is a win. And I know Green Bay played at home on wild card weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. But you're still telling me Green Bay's a flawed 14-win team? A team that went up 21-3. Yes, the Seahawks stormed back in the second half. Completely different second half. But Green Bay figured it out. And they did enough to win. And they've done enough to win all season long. You'll probably hear me say this a ton on this on this podcast. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, you have a shot. And even though Rodgers hasn't put up those MVP numbers that we're used to seeing him put up, the fact that he's healthy, the fact that he's under center, The fact that he is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, you can't count him out. They will always have a shot as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. 
And there's no there's no denying that. You ask anybody who you rather have, Jimmy Garoppolo or Aaron Rodgers, I guarantee you nobody takes Jimmy Garoppolo. The fact that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers gives you a slimmer of hope. No matter how good that that defensive line is, no matter how great that run game is, there's still always a chance. Now, if we go back to that first matchup, that Green Bay got completely manhandled, outplayed. And, and there's there's no denying that. There's no you can't sugarcoat it. They they got they got they got demolished. There's no sugarcoating it. You gotta say it how it is. And arguably this Sunday, the 49ers enter this game much healthier than they were back in week 12. Okay, you had George Kittle, who was just coming back from injury, who, by the way, George Kittle still lit us up. But that Week 12 matchup, the 49ers played without D. Ford, Quan Alexander, and Joe Staley on the offensive line. So you know that defense is going to be much better with D. Ford and Quan Alexander, two athletic specimens. Two guys that could get to the quarterback and make plays all over the field. But there are a couple things that you need to keep in mind from that matchup. And if certain things played out differently, and I know I hate to play the what-if game, you really don't know, but if certain things didn't happen in that game, I think it would have changed the entire outlook and I'm, please, do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying Green Bay had any chance of winning that game. Absolutely not. But it could have been a much closer game. And it started early, okay? The abysmal start. Second play of the game, Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams, makes a catch, runs right around... Pass, right right past the 40-yard line. Okay, bumps the defender, flag thrown, unsportsmanlike conduct, called on Devontae Adams. Probably the weakest unsportsmanlike conduct, conduct penalty I ever saw. I mean, at that point, you might as well punch the guy in the helmet. If you're going to get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, get it, get it for good reason. I mean, it's, it's literally the second play of the game. Devontae Adams pushes him. Flag immediately out. The ball gets moved back to the to Green Bay's own 20, pushing back. Three plays later, Rodgers fumbles, play later, touchdown, 49ers. So right right away, you got a terrible penalty, and then you have a turnover. They turn it into points. Self-inflicted wounds. Packers next drive, third and four. Aaron Rodgers drops back, throws a pass over the middle to Geronimo Allison, drops it. Would have been a clear first down conversion. Now. You want to play the third down game, which Green Bay only converted one third down. So that was obviously a huge issue. And they cannot afford to do that on Sunday. They got to be efficient like they just were wild card weekend against the Seahawks. But that that killed the drive right there. Now, again, I'm not saying that, that you know, if Geronimo Allison catches that ball, Green Bay's marching down the field and scoring a touchdown. But you just don't know. So momentum killed right there. You also had Brian Balaga, who barely played in this game. What do you have? Ten snaps? I'm not even sure he made it that far. He had to exit the game. Alex Light comes in, and Nick Bosa ate him up. Ate him up. I don't even know. Man against boy. That's what that matchup looked like. And again, Nick Bosa is a a phenomenal defensive player. One of the best in the league. And he's he's so young. He's only going to get better. So I'm not blaming Alex Light for completely getting outmatched. But I'd like to think if Brian Balaga played the entire game, made it out that game healthy... 
that Nick Bosa wouldn't have had as much success in constant pressure. He's still going to get his. He's still going to get there. No doubt about it. That's how good that guy is. But that definitely played a role because then the rest of the game, Aaron Rodgers was running all over the place trying to trying to extend time, trying to buy time, trying to not get killed, honestly. Last drive of the first quarter. Rodgers again drops back, hits Devontae Adams, drop. First drive in the second quarter. Packers move the ball down the field, down the field, down the field. Get stopped, decide to go for it, and fourth and one in San Fran's territory. Draw play to Aaron Jones, stuffed. They move the ball well. Several times in this game, they moved it well. And then another big one, Jimmy Graham. About six minutes left in the in the first half. And Rodgers drops back, throws the ball to Jimmy Graham. In his hands, can't hold on to it. That would have put Green Bay right outside the red zone. I mean, folks, this was only a 10-point game late into the second quarter. We've seen teams come back from larger deficits before. We've seen it done in the playoffs. A la the AFC champion, uh, the AFC division, wild card, uh, excuse me, divisional round last week. We saw the Seattle Seahawks down 18 storm back. It was a 10 point game for a majority of the first half. And then things just got out of hand. It just snowballed. Okay, it ju- it just got out of hand from there. Because San Fran was then able to tack on, capitalize on Green Bay's mistakes, capitalize on their inability to execute. And before you know, it's 20 to nothing. So I mean the basic thing of what needs to be better this time around, they just got to execute better. I mean it's going to sound so cliché. Every yard, every play is important at this point at this point of the season. You don't have a second chance. You don't have a chance next week to come back and redo that play or run it a different way. You don't have a chance to run that same route the following week. It's not guaranteed anymore. So the execution as an overall team has to be better. They can't afford the self-inflicted wounds, whether it be the drop passes, whether it be the turnovers, whether it be the penalties, because that didn't help them either. Mind you, the 49ers had more penalties than, than the Packers in that Week 12 matchup, but still, you can't afford to make little mistakes like this because every little mistake adds up. And then it gets to the point where you're too far behind. And if you get too far behind and you start chasing early in this game, it's going to be a long evening out in the West Coast once again. And we all know this season it hasn't been pretty in the West in the West Coast for the Green Bay Packers. All right, coming up next, let's preview Sunday's matchup with Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler weekday morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time on 105.7 The Fan out in Milwaukee. To the hotline we go. Let's welcome in Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler weekday mornings, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on 105.7 The Fan out in Milwaukee. Give him a follow on Twitter at WinkStinks. Bart, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Bart. Obviously a big game coming up on Sunday. But before we get into that, if a year ago today I would have told you that the Green Bay Packers would be playing in the NFC Championship game next season. What would what would you have told me? A year ago today, right after the hiring of the head coach, it, I mean, it would have taken a leap. You know, about a year ago this time, we were just going through this today, Packers were still, because of Rodgers, you know, 16-1 to 1 odds to get to the Super Bowl. It was actually the Niners that were 40-1 to 1 odds to get to the Super Bowl. So they've come through an even maybe – 
bigger odds to get here. But I think with, with the Packers, we knew talent was there. We knew Rodgers was there. We knew Aaron Jones was there. And it was really the work done in March and in April that made this more realistic because the free agency period was Zedarius Preston, Amos, Billy Turner, you know, the draft, which was beneficial, the constant additions that Gutekinds has had. So a year ago today, man, would have been after LaFleur, but before any of the free agents, I would have said, well, they'd probably better be signing some free agents and Rodgers and LaFleur have to get it to work. And everything that they've needed to do has been done. I think the schedule was a benefit for them. They didn't have to play a first-place schedule. They played teams that were going through some stuff. They've played teams that they've had guys hurt, and the Packers have been able to stay healthy. I think if this season shows us anything, it's that, yeah, there's teams that are good that run the table, you know, the, the Patriots, and there's teams that can do this kind of stuff. But the NFL, it is, it is one bounce this way. It is, you know, one inch that way. I mean, Packers are going out to San Fran, because Seattle couldn't get the nose of the football one more half inch over the goal line. Otherwise, San Francisco would have been the five seed, despite how good of a season they had. So I probably would have needed some convincing from you. But now that we're here, I mean, I, it, it's, it's sinking in. I, I believe it. And they're one game. Oh, that's, that's the thing. When you say get to the NFC Championship game, I'd say I can believe that. When you say one game away from the Super Bowl, then I'm kind of like, oh my god, it, oh my god, one game away from the Super Bowl. It oh is, god. it is a game of inches, and exactly that, one win away from the Super Bowl. Despite that first matchup between the 49ers and the Packers in the regular season, where's your confidence level right now heading into this game? I feel good that uh, they have a better chance than I think it would look like on paper. I know when you look back at that first game. 37 to 8 man not not a good game for the Packers and I know the Niners were without some guys but the Packers were too I mean you only had Belaga for a series or two and that was a big that was a big uh difference maker because Alex Light who came in on the offensive line just didn't have it going on uh Devante wasn't as involved as he was clearly last week against Seattle I think they've got a chance but they don't have to play a perfect game, but they, they do have to hang on to the football. I mean, not mistake-free, but pretty close to it. Because the whole game that they had the first time in San Francisco, I mean, Devontae had that weird penalty, and then there was the fumble on Rodgers, and it was pretty much over after that point. So if, if they, they don't have to play perfect, but close. Yeah, I thought that that first matchup, I mean, that execution early really hurt them, and they weren't able to recover from that, you know, um, especially, and if you if you really think about it, the 49ers were only up 10 points with about four minutes left in the second quarter for most of the first half. I mean, if if Green Bay was able to get things going, the execution was a little bit better, a lot some self-inflicted wounds with penalties. I mean, they were right in that game, and then it just spiraled out of control. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, so they have played once, and it was about two months ago. And it's like there's stuff you can learn from it, but there's also a lot of that should be ignored because they, they're just, it's, 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 it's fluky. I mean, all of this stuff is fluky. I mean, usually the talent will rise, but look at a team like the Giants when they were 9-7, and seven, and then they ended up beating the undefeated Patriots. You got to – you just – you got to take advantages of the moments that come in front of you. And in some weird way, maybe going out there and losing, maybe that did benefit the Packers. I was listening to some of the audio from some of the interviews, and Blake Martinez is talking about it. After that game against San Francisco, the defense, like, held a players-only meeting and tried to figure out what was going on. And what they figured out was the linebackers had their duties, and the defensive line had their duties, and the secondary had their duties, right? We, you know that. But then the secondary thought that the linebackers were supposed to do this, and the defensive line thought the secondary was supposed to be doing this. So they, like, within the defense, within their groups, they weren't all on the same page 100%. And since then, they kind of figured that out. And I know that Rodgers looked deep in, in the, the offense. He did a lot of self-scouting. Because that game was after a bye, remember, when you think, hey, he should, you know, he should be tuned up after a bye. And since then, they've rattled off six in a row. 
there's been moments where it looked like they were going to lose games. They found a way to win. There's been games where they looked very good in, like the Minnesota game. And they've just become able to win. You know, win ugly, win pretty, win beautiful, win gross. This team, they know how to win, and they know how to win together. And the last time they lost, they figured out a way to win six in a row, hopefully seven, and we all pray for eight. It's just, it's been an incredible thing. So you look back and you think, yeah, maybe that loss in a weird way is actually going to benefit the Packers this time around. Well, I think it gives them a a, a little bit of hope just because of the fact that all the pressure is on San Francisco. I mean, you listen to the national media, you see the Vegas numbers, right? They think that San Francisco is going to win pretty easily. I mean, that number right now is at seven and a half. So I think they could go into this game feeling loose with not as much pressure, and right, and as you said, it doesn't matter. As long as you win, that's what is, what's important, and they've figured out a way to win. And a big reason why they've figured out a way to win is their defense and, and the addition of Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. Talk about how, how important these two guys have been for this team, not only on the field but off the field as locker room leaders. I think that's the thing that you hear a lot about too, and, and you know, more stories have been coming out about just little things like going bowling with the team or Zadarius saying, Hey, you guys team dinner. And then people being accepting to that, you know, these, these locker rooms, 53 guys. I mean, if you think of any, anything where you have 53 people, whether it's a family or a group of friends or a graduating class or an office, I mean, 53 people to get them all on the same page you might have a common goal, but to get them all on the same page of how to do that, it's like impossible. And for Zadarius to come in here and Preston to come in here, and that's maybe one of the things that, you know, I always thought like free agency, Ted Thompson didn't really dabble into that as much. And maybe they should have done that more. It's not, it's not just, Hey, let's get a guy that's better physically than the guy we have on our roster. It's let's just get a different perspective in here. Let's get somebody who, who has done things a different way. And when Ted did do that with Charles Woodson, I mean, he brought in a veteran that, you know, completely changed the dynamic of that team. And then suddenly you've got this veteran that everybody wants to win for and has become a leader. And there's still guys on this roster that have benefited because of Charles Woodson being a Packer, the kind of stuff he instilled in Tremont Williams. And now the kind of stuff Tremont Williams is instilling in, like, say, Kevin King. And it all starts with Woodson. So you never know how far it can go. And for Zadarius and Preston, these guys to come in here and just bring that looseness to the locker room, whether it's doing interviews together or there was a good story in Sports Illustrated where Zadarius on the team plane just decided, you know what, we're going to pass a hat around everyone, put in 20 bucks, and then we'll draw a name and winner takes all. Just some, just, I mean, just stupid little things like that that just get everybody on their 53 seats on the plane kind of all together doing one thing. And that's why I think that, you know, those guys have been so important. Yes, they are monsters on the field. And, yeah, Zadarius Smith should be getting more awards. And when he puts the snub down his T-shirt, I think there's a good reason for him to uh, have have that backed up from some of his fans and everything. But it's the off-the-field stuff that may have may have been somehow, as big as the impact was on the field, may have been a bigger impact off the field. And that's a great comparison with Charles Woodson passing it on to Tremont Williams, who's passing it on to Kevin King. We're here with the Smith duo, hopefully passing it along to the rookie and Rashawn Gary, who we haven't really had to see much of because of how dominant uh, those two guys have been. Sticking with the defense, but more transitioning towards this matchup. How are they going to stop George Kittle? Uh... Uh, you wouldn't be, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would be it, talking to you if we knew that. I think that they've got to focus on maybe stopping the running game. You know, that running game is very tricky, and they've got three guys that can do it. Uh, Kittle's going to get his yards. Packers have been bad against tight ends. There was a stretch there where if you were, you know, you're playing fantasy football and you see a tight end playing the Packers, you got to take him. He's going to go six for 80 and two scores. <laughs> Kittle's going to be tough to stop. They've got to, they've got to know that he's going to beat them a little bit and they've got to focus on shutting down the wide receivers, getting to Garoppolo, getting to the running game. That might be the best way to stop Kittle or any passing threat is 
make sure you get that rush. I know that they were sending not as much pressure as they maybe could have on Russell Wilson. And even though they'd send four guys and it looked like that was enough, the guy would escape. Maybe, maybe dial up more blitzes. Maybe like the two-point conversion against Seattle. Dial up the corner blitzes. Maybe something like that just to neutralize any attack in the passing game. But to like stop George Kittle, I mean, you've seen the plays this year. You think that he stopped three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Five guys are on his back. He gained 15 yards. He is as good as they come in this league. So it may be stopping the other areas, which will slow him down just by proxy. You know what, Bart? You are right. If if you had the answer, I expect you to be on the sideline on uh, Sunday's matchup, not, not Mike Pettin. Uh, on the flip side, though, with Green Bay's offense, uh, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, we all know that they have been um, 1A and 1B for this offense. But somebody else needs to step up. Who is there any specific player that you think uh, could really show up in this game that needs to show up in this game? Well, who is the third best guy then? Is it Jimmy Graham? I mean, he has three catches, but he still just does not have the speed, you know, as as definitely as George Kittle or as, as you would like. Is it one of these receivers? Marquez Valdez Scantling needs a lot of development. Geronimo made a big play, but that was about it the other day. So who's the next best guy? It might be Jamal Williams. And we didn't see a lot of him against Seattle. But I I would like to see Jamal and Aaron Jones in the game together at some times. I don't know if that's in their playbook. I don't have the numbers how much they've done that. But I'd like to see those guys. And I'd like to see them both utilizing the screen game. They always say the best way to beat a pass rush is, you know, the screen game. I would like to see those guys. They both kind of split duties in this first matchup, and I would like to see Jamal Williams get a little more. Not necessarily taking away carries from Aaron Jones, but just being utilized as another guy out of that backfield. Because, you know, Richard Sherman, their cornerbacks, they you can expose them, I guess, a little bit. Sherman's as good as it comes, though. They're going to try everything they can to take away Devontae. Quick screens. Maybe we get a surprise Jay Sternberger first down or something like that. But I would attack them with Jones, and then I would go and and also use Jamal Williams. Finish the sentence, Bart. The Green Bay Packers win if. The Green Bay Packers win if Aaron Rodgers plays like he did last Sunday. And I think that he could have a, a good game this week. It's very interesting when you look at the two games. He looked bad against Detroit. Bad. I mean, just bad. And and he said after the game, I don't know. I do everything I always do. That's very troubling because you think, okay, a guy who does everything that he's always done and has done it at a high level still goes through the same mechanics and is suddenly bad. That's when when these elite guys start to lose it. But then he follows it up with Sunday's performance, and he was hitting the long balls. Every pass he had over 10 yards, a completion. We need a little more of that, maybe a little more elusiveness out of Aaron Rodgers because that blitz is going to be coming. I'm not going to ask him to be Russell Wilson, but he can't just stand there and take eight-yard sacks and get him knocked out of out of field goal position, field goal range. If he plays like he did on Sunday, I'll feel much better about their chances. Before I let you go, score prediction. I mean, I... I think if I was any other guy anywhere in the country rationally looking at this game, I would say San Fran 23, Packers 17. But I'm not that guy. (laughs) I talk about the Packers every day. I look at ways that the Packers can beat San Francisco every day. I've been a Packer fan every day of my life. So I will take that same score, only the opposite. I'll take Packers 23. San Fran 17 with a trip to the Super Bowl. Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler, weekday morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on 105.7 The Fan out in Milwaukee. Give him a follow on Twitter at Winks. Thanks, Bart. Hopefully your prediction comes true. Enjoy the game, and thanks for joining me. Yep, you too. Thank you. Special thanks to Bart Winkler, co-host of Chuck and Winkler, weekday morning, 6 a.m., 10 a.m. Central Time on 105.7 The Fan, out 
in Milwaukee. Give him a follow on Twitter at Winks Thinks. Definitely an entertaining follow on Twitter, especially during Packers uh, Packer game day. You heard it from Bart. The key to this game is Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers plays the way he played against Seattle, they got a shot. I said it earlier before we had Bart on the podcast. The fact that Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback gives you hope. And Rodgers made a ton of plays on the in last week's win against the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to need to make a ton of plays to take down the San Francisco 49ers. Here, here are my keys to victory, though. Number one, you got to win the battle up front. And that just that, that's not just on the offensive side of things, the defensive side, both sides. Your offensive line, your defensive line. A big reason why the Packers are where they are right now is because of the Smith deal. Zadarius and Preston Smith, there's no denying it. These two guys continue to make plays week after week, and they need to keep doing it. They are the engine. Okay, when they are making plays, it is extremely contagious for the entire defensive unit. I don't know if it's Zadarius Smith's sack celebrations that gets everybody riled up or even Preston Smith. I don't know what it is, but when they get going, when they make big plays, it's contagious and everyone around them starts making big plays. This is a game where both of them need to continue to play at that level. This is a game that they need to be able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, because last week against the Seahawks, yes, they were able to get to Russell Wilson, but there were also a ton of times where they just missed because of Russell Wilson's elusiveness. It's not going to happen this week with Jimmy G. He's not going to be able to get out as easy as Russell Wilson did. Take advantage of that. And for the other guys up front, this is a huge game for guys like Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. Because you better believe that the San Francisco 49ers are going to do whatever they can to make sure that Darius Smith and Preston Smith don't get going, don't get to Jimmy G. So guys like Dean, guys like Kenny Clark, it's on them to open it up. Take advantage of the double teams that Zadarius and Preston are getting and open up. I can, There's a good chance they'll be doubling Kenny Clark as well. So this is a game for Dean Lowry to really make a huge impact for the Green Bay Packers. On offense, they're going to have their hands full. Because this whole defense that the 49ers have, Top to bottom, they're great. They're so quick. They're so athletic. They're so young. But Green Bay's offensive line is going to need to protect Aaron Rodgers. They're going to need to give Aaron Rodgers time. A big reason why things got out of control, out of hand, that first time that they played each other in the regular season, Rodgers had no time. So he was either running for his life and throwing the ball away or getting crushed. Got to keep Rodgers on his feet at the same time. Wide receivers need to get open. And we'll dive into the wide receivers. Spoiler alert, probably a key to the game a little later. But I think it's also important that the game plan going into this matchup is getting the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly. How do you beat a good pass rush? Quick plays. By the time that ball's hiked, it's out of your hand. There's no way that defenders are getting to you that way. Quick slants, quick ins, quick outs, screen plays. Misdirection, reverse. Keep them on their toes. The battle up front on both sides is going to be everything for this game. Number two. If you're going to lose this game, you need to live with the fact that Jimmy G lit you up. 
And if you don't know what that means, force Jimmy G to throw the ball. This San Francisco 49ers offense thrives on their running game. And they got three talented backs that any given week, one of them could go off, all three of them could go off, two of them could go off. It doesn't matter, but they have a plethora in that backfield. You need to find a way to stop the run game. It's the same thing for Green Bay, right? When Aaron Jones is running well, it opens up the playbook. It makes Aaron Rodgers, the play action, everything is so much better. You can say the same thing about the 49ers. When the run game is working, you really could say the same thing about it, any team. But when the run game is working, it opens everything else up. You got to find a way to stop these guys. Don't let them get going because they'll pound through the defense. They'll tire out the defense. The defense will be on the field much longer than they should be and that they want to be. And the longer they're out there, the more tired they'll be. Find a way to stop them. I think the sweet spot, you got to make Jimmy G throw the ball at least 35 times. You have a good shot then. In two of their three losses this season, he had to throw the ball at least 34 times. This year, he has only thrown for 300 yards or more three times. Including the playoffs now, he's thrown for under 250 yards 10 times. Make him beat you. Make him have to throw for 350 yards. 400 yards. He hasn't done that much. And that's not his bread and butter. And if he doesn't have to because the run game is so well, so be it. I mean, look at tennis. Look at Tennessee who's in the, a championship game in the other conference. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to throw the ball. Make him. you got to figure out a way to stop the run. The secondary is going to need to be aggressive. Bump the guys at the line of scrimmage. You can't give these guys too much space. Don't let them get across the middle. Because in that first matchup, they crushed the Green Bay Packers across the middle with the slant routes. <laughs> Again, it's a lot easier to open the mic and say, do this, do that. And these are talented players. But if you if you want to have a legit shot at this, you got to make Jimmy G beat you. And finally, I alluded to this with the first key. Brings me to my last key. Someone needs to step up on the offense. The 49ers will do absolutely everything and anything to make sure that Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones don't have a career day, don't have a field day. They are going to take away option 1A and 1B. Who's going to step up? Can Jimmy Graham somehow continue, despite the lack of speed, some inconsistencies with his hands this season? He came up with three big catches last week. Can Jimmy Graham continue, bring that momentum to San Fran? Will it be Geronimo Allison? Will it be Alan Lazard? Will it be MVS? It doesn't matter who it is. It's got to be somebody. Jamal Williams. Could it be Jamal Williams? You heard Bart say it earlier. I'd love to see more of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones out on the field at the same time. I think I've been saying that for weeks now. Somebody needs to step up, though. And if they're struggling to find that person, it's going to be such a bad game for the Green Bay Packers. Because you're going to have Rodgers dropping back, having time, and throwing it away or just or just running for his life. That connection that Rodgers and Adams have is so special. So there, there's a part of me right now, especially seeing what happened in Seattle, that Devontae will get his. You know, he's going to have, he's going to make an impact. Not nearly as big as an impact that he made in, against Seattle, Somebody else needs to fill that void. Geronimo Allison, MVS, Alan Lazard, Jay Kumaro, they can't all combine for two catches and 10 yards. That won't be enough to get it done in San Francisco. 
Now, before I let you go, my picks of the week. Only two games, obviously, this week. Last week, a nice 4-0, nice humble brag. If you took my picks, you won some great cash, especially if you parlayed it. If you parlayed it, you're really happy with me. But even if you did individual bets, you're still very happy because you still won. So let's continue the winning ways, and let's start with that first matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Tennessee Titans. And, man, the Titans have been on a hell of a run this season. And kudos to them and Vrabel deciding to bench Matt, uh, Marcus Mariota, bring in Ryan Tannehill, and just play smash-mouth football. They've been a hell of a story. They, they, they take down the Patriots. They take down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Can they take down the Chiefs? I don't think it happens. I think the, the Titans' luck runs out. This week. And here's why. And you could argue with you could argue with the fact that, oh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense just as explosive as Kansas City's. I don't think so. I think that if the Chiefs could stop Derrick Henry, which nobody has been able to do, and they force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball. There is no way that Ryan Tannehill could go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And I just think this Chiefs offense is just so good and has the ability, as we saw them do against the Texans, to score at will. That's going to be the biggest problem. And if the Chiefs are able to get a 21-0 lead off the bat, I have zero faith. Or even a 17-point lead early in the game. 17-3. I just don't see the Titans coming back. This offense is so explosive and so special that they really, their game plan is to get out in front. And and the Titans just cannot. They won't withstand it. They won't be able to keep up. I really think the Chiefs cruise. Give me the Chiefs minus seven. Now this game, the only other game, Packers-Niners. Now, I'm kind of with Bart with this one, right? Bart said, as a as a lifelong Packer, faithful, a Packers fan, a cheesehead at heart, obviously you want to see the Green Bay Packers win. Obviously you want to see the Packers be one, uh, one win away from a Super Bowl, from playing in a Super Bowl. Of course, makes sense. Even after watching that matchup and watching that that previous matchup against the 49ers and watching the Packers all season long, watching games over, sometimes more than a couple times, I cannot convince myself to pick the Packers to win this game. Okay, I will, for the pick purpose of this, I will take the points in the 7.5 because I do think this is going to be a close game. Again, three to five point range. But I can't confidently convince myself that, hey, this Green Bay Packers team is better. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. You have a shot. I think the biggest disadvantage that the Green Bay Packers have in this matchup is the playmakers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, and I think that's where you're going to see the difference. And you already saw it in the first matchup, right? San Fran, George Kittle, Debo, Emmanuel Sanders. Three running backs. Outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, I mean, who do you got? Who else is stepping up? Nobody has. And that's what concerns me. Now, in the event that one of these guys does step up, one of the other playmakers figures it out, well, damn, they got a shot. But I really don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at San Fran 27, Green Bay 24. Maybe even a lower scoring, 21-17. But I, I just don't see Green Bay going out west and taking them down. I think it's got to be a perfect game, and I just think overall talent-wise, San Fran has more talent. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you don't st- you don't start not listening to the podcast. You start stop 
you, you stop listening to the podcast because of that prediction. I'm just being honest with you guys. I've been honest with you all season long. I don't want to just open up the mic and rah-rah, pom-poms, Packers all the way. Of course I want the Packers to win. Of course I want to see the Packers and Aaron Rodgers playing his second Super Bowl. This one's going to be a tough one. I will guarantee this, though. And I have no problem admitting this. If the Green Bay Packers win this game, they are winning the Super Bowl. You could convince me. I could convince myself and everybody else that's listening that the Green Bay Packers are better than the Chiefs and better than the Tennessee Titans. There's no doubt in my mind. I could go as far as saying the winner of this NFC Championship game is winning the Super Bowl. It's just going to be such a close fight. But as I've been saying all podcasts long, especially this episode, it is a new season. It is a new game. Throw away the tape. Anything could happen. That'll wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Thanks again to Bart Winkler for hopping on. Special thanks to everyone who's tuned in for this one all season long. Remember, you can now find the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, the newest baby, Apple iTunes, for all those great podcast platforms. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and enjoy all the action. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the fact that the Green Bay Packers are in the NFC Championship. Enjoy the fact that the Green Bay Packers are one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. Then remember, anything can happen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go!